You're listening to the CTK O'Fallon Podcast. The book of Psalm, and I'm going to take you to chapter 22. We're going to read one verse of Scripture, just one verse of Scripture here. Came in early this morning. It's been one of those weeks, and uh, nothing bad, just just needing direction for the Lord and was praying and God laid this on my heart brought it back as something been on my mind a little bit earlier on in this week and so I want to share with you if I can today from this passage one verse of scripture you know it you've probably heard it many times but in Psalm 122 it's a song of decree of David and he writes and says I was glad when they said unto me Let us go into the house of the Lord. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. If I can, for the next few moments this morning, I want to preach to you on why I came to church today. Why I came to church today. Why don't you turn around and ask somebody, why'd you come to church today? Amen. Why'd you come to church today? Amen. Hope you came for the right reasons. (laughs) Amen. Can we pray? Let's ask the Lord to cover his word today in our hearts. In Jesus' name, I thank you for this wonderful opportunity that you brought us together again in this moment. And I ask right now that your word would have liberty in our hearts and that your spirit could minister. You know every need and detail. And God, we come submitting our lives to you in Jesus' name. Have your way. And the church said amen. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated this morning. Why I came to church today. David writes in Psalm 122, and there are some that contest that, but David writes here, as is titled, and says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. He prefaces this remark, uh, or this chapter rather, with this verse. It is a preface. It is a beginning. And the context of this chapter ends with the conclusion, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that Love thee. This is the conclusion. This is the point of the chapter to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, to strive for the good things. But he prefaces the remark with something, a testimony, a manifest of an emotion that has been evoked in the context or the content of this chapter. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. This is a love of home, if you will. There are are, uh, many people in here that are not from here. And you wear sometimes the, uh, the signs of where you are from, and you wear it with pride. I, I asked our guests today where they're from, and you said the short story, and, and I'm, I'm empathizing, you said is Ohio, but other than that, it's a long story. And so maybe, I don't know, but maybe there's an affinity to home in Ohio from, for you. Maybe for somebody else, people are, are here, but, but, but you know, if you're a Texan, you can't get Texas out of you. 
Um, if you're a Californian, you can't get it out of you. Um, uh, if, if you're a Hoosier, you can't get it out of you. <clears throat> and uh, that's an inside joke for everybody here that has been around for a few weeks. If you're, if you're from over there somewhere, a little island uh, called Scotland, you can't really get that out of you either. And so, so th- there's, there's a love for where we're from, our hometown, our homeland. And, it, and it's not because the homeland is really that great. Have you ever been to Indiana? It's, it's not because, you know, it's just like, wow, this is the most beautiful place in the world or this is whatever, but... It, it, it's what it means to you. It's, 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 it's the depth of meaning that that has. And, and so the, the other side of the story for, for Israel and for David was what Jerusalem meant. It was not only the place where Melchizedek was the king who, who would have a relationship with God, we know, before Abraham. It, it was the place where God had purpose to meet His people. It was the, the place that David goes, and David was there in battle, and he conquered it, if you will. He took it captive, and the promises of God were so true. And now, it has such great depth of meaning, because it's not just the homeland, it's not just where I'm from, it's not just where my family is from, but it's the spiritual meaning of what is going on there, the salvation, the deliverance, God putting His name there, supernatural, coming down and dwelling with the natural. But, but this psalm becomes more than just a song of David. It is what we would call the songs of ascent. And if you go to Jerusalem, any way that you traverse there, you're going to notice from the beginning that you are starting on a steady incline. Even riding in the bus, I would note the incline as we would make our way from the coast of the Mediterranean up into Galilee and then from Galilee back around and to Jerusalem. There's no way that you approach Jerusalem without going up. There is an ascent. But before they had buses and before they had cars, they would walk most often or they would ride at best on an animal, and as they would go, they would begin to go up. And as their custom was, as they went up, they would begin to sing these songs of ascent. We lose it in the translation, but in the Hebrew, it is written very poetically, and it is written rhythmically, and it is these songs. And they would go through the song. This is the third song of ascent, and if you're walking there, it's going to take you a long time. You got plenty of time to sing all of these songs. But they would sing on their way to Jerusalem now, not just what David would proclaim, but they would preface this chapter I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go unto the house of the Lord. There was a determination. There was an intention. There was a purpose in their journey, in their going, in their coming. But they were testifying that there was an emotional affinity that was attached to it as well. I wasn't just doing my duty. I wasn't just fulfilling my responsibility. I was not just going so that others would think good of me. But I was glad. 
when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I hope that you're not just here today out of obligation. I hope you're not just here today trying to convince somebody else that you're okay. But maybe this morning after you hit the snooze and you got up, there was something inside of your soul that said, I am glad to be going into the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. So I want to preach to you today, if I can, why I came to church. Maybe why I come to church. Because it's not just for one week. It's not just for one day. It's not just for one moment. But it's a recurring thing. Every seven days we gather together in the house of the Lord to hear, amen, the word of God and proclaim his praises. And so here are some fundamental things why I come to church. I come to church to worship and to praise God. I come to church to show Him in word and deed my adoration, my respect, my honor, and my fear of the Lord. I honor Him. I, I adore Him. I respect Him. And I fear Him. I, I know that He's a God not to be trifled with. A God not to be mocked. A God not to be put aside. But He is one that is deserving of my full intention and attention. He's one that is worthy of all of my praise, all of my efforts. And I could do this at home with nobody watching, yes. But I have come. A Amen. To show him in word and in deed that I am going to worship God. This is something that is out of the ordinary. It's out of the way. It's not on my path. It's not in my fleshly purpose. But I am pausing life. I am setting everything aside. I am putting everything else on hold so that I go to worship. And with that we enter into his courts with praise. And we enter into his courts with thanksgiving and we magnify him. I come to worship God. That's why we begin our service with a time of worship and with a time of singing and a time of celebration and a time of song. Brother Bollinger was here. Brother Bob, uh, Bob Bollinger's brother. Sorry. I, Brother Bollinger wasn't here Wednesday night. He's sick. Good to see him this morning. But your brother was here. Your youngest living brother was here. My father-in-law, Dwayne Bollinger, preached or taught Wednesday night on worship. And what a wonderful message that was. Encouraging it was on worship. I come to worship the Lord. I've come to magnify the name of the Lord. And in, in worship, as he was talking, there was many things. I was taking some notes. There was some powerful things down there. But I did not just come to worship God and magnify God alone. But I came also to declare His glory among the nations. I'm thankful that I don't have to worship God in secret today. Afraid for my life or a fear for the safety of my family. But because I have the liberty to worship God, I, it's okay. I, I'm not doing it so that others see me. But it's okay that others know that on Sunday I give the day to the Lord. Lord. On this day, I'm going to worship God and I'm going to magnify God. Can I tell you, the world sees enough examples of hate, enough examples of pride, enough examples of selfishness, and enough examples of people concerned.
concerned with themselves. I don't think it's a shame. I don't think it's wrong to let the world know that there are people that still love God, that still love the Lord, that still believe in a God, that still worship the Lord and declare His glory. Amen. To the agnostic and to the atheist who wonder and question why do they keep going. They justify in their mind and say it's just simplicity of the brain. They shut their brains off. I'm here to declare no it's not. You see you don't know what God has done for me. And this no doubt played into the emotion of what David was saying when he said I was glad when they said unto me Let us go into the house of the Lord. Not only did he worship God, not only did he love God, not only was he had an affinity to Jerusalem, but every time that David went back to the city of God, that city of God was only, only special because of the house of God, because of the place of God. That's what he's letting us know, the house of the Lord. But when David goes... In his ability to go, there is a constant reoccurring of the testimony of what God has done in his life. Now, don't be fooled. You hear me say this often. Don't be fooled. Just because we've been living for God and we're now reaping the blessings of God and you begin after a while, things start working out, things start going a little bit better. Amen. Life starts balancing out and things, you're blessed. Are we blessed here today? Anybody? I'm blessed this morning. I'm blessed. I don't know about you. You're blessed. Amen. And we're blessed not because of our ability, not because of our intellect, but we are blessed because of the Lord and if anything, because of the ways of God at work in our life. We thank God for that. But be careful lest we forget when we come in all dressed up on Sunday with a smile on our face and all four hubcaps matching on our car and everything the way it needs to be. Be careful lest we forget that had it not been for the Lord who was on our side, we wouldn't be here today. Oh, what wretch we would be. Oh, what wretched state. But now we can come and go into the house of the Lord. You see, David couldn't walk into the house of the Lord without acknowledging the testimony of what God had done, not only in his life, but in the life of his parents and in the life of his grandparents and the life of his lineage. Because you go back and there was a harlot by the name of Rahab. Rahab was a harlot. She was given over to the idolatrous practices of Jericho. But God in his provision made a way when she showed honor and grace race to the men of God. God said, I'm going to save you. And God put an harlot in the path of David in his lineage, in his life. And David was there today because of the grace and the mercy that God would show. And so every time he'd go into the temple and the house of the Lord, he was thanking God. Amen. I know that I'm wretched. I know that I'm undeserving. But I'm thankful that you're a God that redeems. You're a God that sanctifies. You're a God that purifies and a God that makes right. Not only that, David could go. Not only Rahab, who was, and I can't remember, six, seven generations back, but go back about three generations to his great, great grandparents. And there was a woman by the name of Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite. 
And when Naomi and her husband left Israel in a famine, left the promised land of God to go live among the pagans, among those that, that sacrificed to idols, those that worshipped to idols, those that had been uh, 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 antagonistic and, and murderous of the children of God, the Moabites had been so evil against the children of God. When they were wandering in the wilderness that God said, I will not let a Moabite come into my sanctuary until the 10th generation. They are not allowed to enter into the congregation of the Lord. That was the law of the Lord. That was the word of God. And here is David. He is only three generations removed from Ruth, a Moabite. But Ruth standing in Moab is, is, is converted, get this, by the testimony of a backslider and believer, somebody who lost faith, somebody who walked out. Can I tell you the power of this thing is so great that it doesn't even take a preacher to convert somebody. It can take somebody in a backslidden state. And Ruth saw so much the glory and the grace of God that she looks at Naomi in the midst of Moab and says, your people shall be my people and your God shall be my God. And Ruth comes into, and you know the story of the beautiful romantic story of Ruth and Boaz and the redemption. But when David says, I was glad when they said unto me, he was saying what God had spoke against has been rolled back. What God has said was justice has been rolled back. And I am here because of mercy. I don't know about you, but I've come to worship and to praise God. You say, well, he didn't do anything for me this week. I'm going to tell you, what he did one time, once and for all on the cross is enough for me every single Sunday, every single day to come back into the house of the Lord week after week and declare the glory of God in my life. See, God doesn't have to do something new for me every week. In order for me to come back intentional into the house of the Lord and say, I'm going to worship him. No, I'm making up in my mind, I'm going to worship him. Guess what? I don't know what happens this week, but guess what? Next Sunday, I'm going to be back in the house of the Lord and I'm going to worship God. Guess what? Next month, I don't know what's held. I don't know what's going to, what, what's going to come out. I don't know what's going to be held for me in my future, but I'm, you'll find me on a Sunday in the house of the Lord. Guess what? In next year, I'm intentioning today. I am, I am determining today that this is what I am going to do. I'm going to worship and praise God. But here's the good news. His mercies are new every morning. God, he has done something good for me this week, and he will continue to work in my life every day. I'm here because I'm here to worship and praise God. I'm here because I love the presence of God. I enjoy the presence of God. I, you ever go to a place and you're like, man, I, I just like the atmosphere here. I just like this. And then some places you go to and you're like, I don't really like this atmosphere here. I'm not talking about people's houses necessarily. I saw some of you scared to look around. Maybe that too, maybe that too. But I, I just love the presence of the Lord. I grew up as a child in church. I thank God for my parents that drug me to church every time the doors were open. I was in the house of God. I didn't know as a kid. I didn't know that I was missing out. Missing out? Missing out on what? 
I, I didn't miss out on anything. I had great friends. I had great community. I learned stuff at a young age. I had access and resources, large congregation of believers, people. I, I was rubbing shoulders with people that I never would have if I was just a normal kid in the world, going to my school, doing my little thing. God gave me so many access, so many opportunities because of the church. I'm nothing special. I'm a nobody. you got to understand the gutter that God pulled my family out of. But I'm here because I love the presence of the Lord. There is a benefit when you come into the house of the Lord. There is a blessing. I, I'm here. I'm going to worship God. And I don't, need, I don't need a spark of emotion to determine in my heart that I'm going to worship God. But you know what else helps me be glad when I go to the house of the Lord? Because I know when I'm down and when I'm frustrated, I come running back. Why? Because I know, what's going, I know what it's going to feel like. I know what's waiting for me in the house of the Lord. Come on, you, you ever travel away and... You're excited to be, to be away, but then you just want to go back home. Just want to go back home. Just want to go back home. Go back home to mom. Go back home to your wife. Go back home to whatever. And you're going back to that. Those, those things, you know, what's, you know what's waiting for. You know what's expected. There's love there. You know there's somebody that's going to care. Somebody that's going to listen. And there's that desire. There's that draw. That, that's why I love the presence of the Lord. The Bible says in Psalm 22 and 3, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. God, you inhabit. His presence inhabits the praises of God. We worship God. Brother Bollinger was talking about We worship God in God's Spirit. Amen. God's Spirit is not withheld from those that are truly worshiping Him. That's why I come to church. I'm going to tell you, it's not why I leave church at church. I take church with me. <laughs> you say, well, man, I, I love being in church, but man, you just you don't know my life is just a wreck. My home. I'm going to tell you, you know what? Go home and turn off all the other stuff and turn on some good worship music. Turn on some good praise music and start singing and magnifying and watch the presence of the Lord come down and dwell in the midst of that car. Watch the presence of the Lord come down and dwell in the midst of the home. You say, well, I have marital trouble. We're having all this. I'm going to tell you, put on some good music. Put on the word of God. See what God does not begin to work. See the presence of God come down and begin to abide. And here's the good news. Paul said this, now the Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You want to know who's really free? You want to know who truly is liberated today? It's those that have the presence of an almighty God dwelling in their midst. I come to church today and I got to hasten on. I come to church today because I need salvation. I come to church because I need salvation. You will not find salvation anywhere else. Ultimate healing, ultimate redemption, ultimate restoration. We prayed for healing today. We pray for those that are sick. Pray for those that have issues that are going on. But we're going to pray. I don't know anybody that's been able to pray so long that they never, ever passed away. Because the body is subject to this world. And on this earth, God can heal. Can God heal? Absolutely, God can heal. Can God in a moment deliver? Absolutely, God in a moment can deliver. And we have that faith and we believe that, but it's appointed unto man once to die. And so ultimately, what we need is not healing of the body, although God ministers that to us. But He ministers it to us so that we can have faith that if God can heal our body, then God can heal our soul. 
Because what's harder, to heal somebody of a physical ailment or to heal somebody, to heal somebody of a spiritual ailment? of that guilt, of that oppression, of that doubt. Yes, that's what God can do. And I'm going to tell you today, you may or may not go home healed in your physical body, but absolutely I am confident in this today. You can walk out of here a new creature in Christ Jesus. All anxieties, all fear, all doubt, all shame, all guilt washed away in the blood of the Lamb. Why? Because that is the intent to which God has allowed us to dwell this morning ultimately. I need salvation, and that salvation, totality, and obedience, and faith is summed up in Acts chapter 2 and 38 when the, when the Jewish congregation gathered around on the day of Pentecost and convicted by their own conscience and the Word of God and the testimony of Christ, they said, what must we do? And Peter said unto them, repent, repent. You've got to die out. You've got to turn from your ways. You've got to change your heart. And if you're willing to obey the gospel and change your heart and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. You know what? In that statement, he's letting us know you can't handle your sins on your own. You need something bigger than you. And it's here. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that flows from Calvary's hill. Amen that still washes away our sins in the waters of baptism. And he says, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the promise of God, the promise that God gives to us, the gift of His Spirit living inside of us. I need salvation. And I am saved. I thank God I am saved. I thank God that I can rest assured in the Word of God in confidence. I don't lay my head on a pillow at night and wonder if I'm saved. Now, I had a period of time in my life where I did. And you've heard me talk about rapture scares, where you, you think the Lord has come, and you're wondering, I don't have rapture scares anymore. Because I know I'm ready. I don't live. I don't think as Christians we get to the point where we're wondering, God, am I ready? God, am I saved? Hear me today. If I'm convicting you right now, if the Spirit is convicting you right now, let it convict you. God does not want us to live beneath the threat of sin and guilt and shame. He that the Son hath set free is free indeed. I need salvation. So am I saved? Yes, I'm saved. I have confidence in that. I trust in God. I put my faith in God. Do I make mistakes? Absolutely. Every day I repent. I die. Paul said the same. I die daily. I come back to God. Amen. But I have a confidence in that. But that confidence does not mean that I check it off the list as if never to return. No, I keep coming back to the house of God because this is where God saved me. This is where God found me. This is where I found mercy and grace. And this is where I'm going to stay. I need salvation in my life. I need the preaching of the Word. I need the reading of the Word. When they would go to the house of God, the Word of God would be read. The Jewish custom was, man shall not live by bread alone. You do not go more than three days. You can't live more than three or four days without water. And so three times a week they would gather at the temple or at the synagogue to hear the reading of the Word. We gather together to hear the reading of the Word. I need the Word of God inside of my life every day. You ever feel not like reading your Bible and you say, okay, I'm going to read my Bible. And you pull your Bible out, you pull, it, pull out your phone app, whatever, and you start reading it. And all of a sudden, there's a word that comes and speaks to you in that moment. I need salvation. I come to church because I need to be fed. I need to be fed. 
My soul is thirsty and longing for something more. David said this in Psalm 42 and 1, As the heart, or as the deer, panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Check yourself. If you are satisfied by the things of this world, check yourself. This is my measure. I check myself if I am ever content to go a few days without the Word of God inside of my heart, without the Spirit of God inside of my heart. God, don't let me be content because the substance of this world does not satisfy. Spiritual things, I need to be fed. I need the Word of God. Matthew God records the, the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus gave us the Beatitudes in the fourth one. He said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Hunger and thirst, not just hunger and thirst, we all hunger and thirst. Your flesh hungers and thirsts. Your pride and your lust and your greed and all those things that in time, they hunger and thirst. The flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh so that these two are contrary one to another. This is what Paul said. But blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. I don't know about you, but I want right things in my heart. I want right things in my life. I need the word of God. I need the presence of God more than I need the next movie, more than I need the next book, more than I need the next game, more than I need all of that stuff. I need God inside of my heart, inside of my soul, inside of my spirit. I need God. I come to church because not only do I need to be fed, but I need rest. You say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, preacher. (laughs) Sunday's not a day of rest. I need rest. I'm not talking about physical rest. I'm talking about true rest, spiritual rest. By the way, you are body, soul, and spirit. Two-thirds of you is intangible. We let the tangible be what leads us way too often. And what wearies us in the flesh oftentimes is not the tangible, but the intangible. It is the pressures and the anxieties, hear me, of a life not trusting in the Lord that wearies us. Let me say that again. It is the pressures and the anxieties of a life not trusting in the Lord that wearies us. I'm not talking about just physical fatigue because you, the older you get, the more fatigued you get. I understand all of that. But I am talking about a weariness of being, a weariness of, 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 of who you are. You cannot take this peace of God for granted and the faith that knows that everything is going to be okay. And once you have that peace, and once you have that faith and you can stand on Romans 8, 28 that says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. It takes all the anxieties of life out. It takes all the fear. Why? Because I'm trusting in God. I put God first. I've lifted God up. And so now God is going to be God. He's the Lord of my life. And so this is his issue. I'm going to 
trust in him. You pass on all the burdens. You pass on all the cares. We cast the cares upon him. Why? Because we know he cares for us. And when we lay those things down, I'm going to tell you, there is a rest that a day off will never give you. There is a rest that comes that vacation will never provide. There is a rest in your mind, in your body, in your soul, in your spirit. You say, wait a minute, I don't know if this works. Here's how it works. Jesus said this, take my yoke upon you. What's a yoke? A yoke is a burden. A yoke is a burden. He said, take my yoke, take my way, take the purpose, my serving, my kingdom upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart. And he said, and you, ye shall find rest for your souls. Can I tell you, when you live for God, this thing works. And when you put God first, amen, there is a rest and a peace that the weariness of this world cannot impose upon. I come to church because I need rest. How many times have you come to church physically tired, but you walked out spiritually encouraged? Your faith does something physically. What happens in the spirit, what happens in the soul impacts the body. Hallelujah. You don't need a makeover. You need a prayover. Come on, somebody. You need to let the power of God get inside of your soul and change what's on the outside. Clap your hands unto the Lord. I need rest. Anybody need rest? I need rest. Hallelujah. And I'm an anxious type. I'm a wearisome type. So I need rest. So I need church more than maybe some of you. God bless you all. I need a lot of church in my life. I need church, and I'm going to come to a close. I need church. I come to church because I don't just come to church because of the things that I need, but I come to church because of what I'm going to do, what I'm intending to do. As I intended it in my worship and my praise towards God, I come to church because I come to set Him first in my life. I come to set God first in my life. I, I preached a month or two ago, and I think it's on the podcast, about intentional priority. Intentional priority. The psalmist said, early will I seek thee. You're not going to be my last resort. You're going to be my first and only option. I come to church. I, I, I don't have to pray about whether or not I'm coming to church. I come to church with this intention that I'm going to set God first in my life. Doesn't matter who's preaching, doesn't matter who's singing, doesn't matter what's going on, doesn't matter where I'm at. I need to be in church because I'm setting God first in my life. And there's a principle that's bigger than the local congregation. And I, I set him first in my life by my time. My time. The principle of the Sabbath is oft, often lost sometimes in contemporary Christianity, and we miss, without going into it, God told them, He said it in His Ten Commandments. Said, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. We're not under the law, and so people think that that's totally dismissed. But in the New Testament, they, they never abolished the Sabbath in, in, in the same regard. They, they did not have to observe the customs. And, and to one, Paul said, one esteemeth this day, another esteemeth this day, and another esteemeth this day. One esteemeth all days alike. And he said, but every day is the Lord's. Every day is the Lord's. So, so don't get stuck in the day. He was saying that to Jews and, and Gentiles who were fighting over which day it was. But the custom practice came out that whereas the Sabbath was the last day of the week, 
The day of the Lord, as they would call it, as some would call it, was the first day of the week. They would give God the first day of the week. They still honored God, but it was not the Sabbath in the same tradition in the sense where they had to follow the routines and cleanse the house and do all that stuff. Paul said, that that stuff's not necessary anymore. We don't have to do that. The Sabbath was pointing us to Christ, and we found that rest in Christ. But the principle, there was an underlying principle that goes deeper than just pointing to Christ, but there was a principle in the Sabbath where God says you will do no servile work. You will do no work that, that, is, that is out of your uh, uh, tilling of the ground because of the curse of sin. And, and the Lord said this, the day is my day. It is holy. It is a day for me. And so what they did on that Sabbath was they would take that day and they would devote that day was devoted to the Word of God and to the things of God. It was a day of rest in the sense that they did no earthly work, but it was not a day of vegging, if you will. It was a day unto the Lord, a day focused on God, a day acknowledging that this is whom our life comes, this is whom our rest comes, and we give it to the Lord. And the principle was this, that we will honor God one day a week, and we will give Him the first day of our week, And God will bless us in life as if we have worked seven days a week. That was the principle that God told the Jews. He said, you're going to take every seventh day and you're going to honor me. And you're going to give it unto me. And you're going to have just as much as all the other nations that honored God every seven days. When Christianity comes, of course, it's a Roman culture. The Romans did not have a day off. It was seven days a week. There was just a constant grind. In fact, the seven days was dictated not, not until later. In fact, Caesars would come and go and they would change the calendar and the schedule. And so the on, only constant for Christianity in that time was not the Gregorian calendar that was subject to change. We've only in the last millennia sort of solidified it. But it was their principle that was drawn up out of Scripture. And they said, I'm going to honor God. I'm going to tell you, I come to church. And if you do nothing more than to come to, God, to church to honor God with your time. There's going to be a blessing that God gives to you because it's a principle and it's a day of the Lord. I don't come to church just because it's my obligation and I can't wait till I can get out so I can get to the game or I can get to whatever else. I'm not preaching against all that stuff. But is it too much to give the God of all creation, of all eternity, of whom we proclaim that we want to spend forever with one day a week of our life now? I intend... Luca, this is what we do. We come to church. As the man of the house, as the head of the house, it's my responsibility to get my family up and say, this is where we're going. This is what our principle is going to be. Not only with my time, but I honor God with my material, material assets as they did in their first fruits and giving in the Old Testament. So that was carried into the New Testament and we give God of our tithe. And I'm acknowledging God that, God, if I give you the first fruits, Your word says that there's a blessing, that if I give you a 10%, the first 10%, you said that I would live as if I had more than 100%. You know, that principle is the only place, that promise is the only place in Scripture where God turns around to them and says, prove me. Prove me. You say, well, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in all that stuff. I'm going to tell you, there's a big word from God, and He's saying, prove me. You don't believe in God? God says, you start giving me your first and watch what I do. 
And I'm not saying that to self-serve because you, mis you misunderstood the whole principle. I'd say that whether I was here or not here, and I'm going to continue to do my tithing whether I'm here or not here. Why? Because God says as a principle, when you honor God with your assets, how many could testify of the blessings of God that God has led in your way, not because of your ability, but because God's word is true. And so I said it to come to God. And finally, I come to God because I come to, I come to church rather because I come to serve Him. I come to serve Him. I come to serve the body. I come to give Him my resources as they come to the music. To give Him my resources to further His will and work in His kingdom. The will of God, the work of God becomes my desire. It becomes my desire. And His will, I obey. So God, here it is. Sometimes I'm afraid that in this world that we live in, and I, I love the age that we're in. I, I, I wouldn't want to go back. At times I think, my goodness, this world, where's it going to end up? Maybe we can go back. But then I think, well, I don't, I don't want to really go back before air conditioning. Thank you. I, I don't really want to go back. I don't really want to go back to Ireland where the people were sleeping with their pigs. I, I don't really want to, I don't really want to, I don't know. I, I'm happy where I'm at. Whenever we go out to eat, my wife and I, we lived on the road for so many years, for about eight years of our life plus, we lived on the road and so you eat out a lot. And whenever we go out to eat, we'd be in a new area, a new, new place. I, I love Yelp reviews and Google reviews, which are not, always, are not always true, not always reliable, but it gives you an idea of where, where to eat, where, really not where to eat, but where not to eat. That's what, that's really, that's really it. And... And I, I know that's the day and age in which we live. And I, I know that we have the little sticker out there. It says, find us on Google. I know a lot of people find us on Google. And, and you can say something nice or not so nice. Whatever you want, you can, you can do that. It's the way the world we live in. But I think we have to be careful. And I, and I appreciate all that and I'm thankful for it. But I think we have to be careful that we don't make our, what should be our purpose and our practice, that we don't leave it to we don't reduce it to a Yelp or a Google review. So, well, I'm not going to go to church today because all the reviews I looked at in my area, eh, none of them have 100 re reviews and are perfect. There has to be a point in my heart where I say, God, I'm going because of you. See, we have options today. We have options, and we, we, we have, I don't know what America would do without options. They didn't have options back then. There was one house of God. There was one house of God. And if you were sideways with your brother, if you had been offended or done wrong by somebody else, you couldn't, you couldn't leave, you couldn't make it, you couldn't make an altercation, you couldn't choose something different. If there was bad baggage, if there was stuff, you, you either went or you didn't go. And in fact, what drew everybody back, what, drew, what kept everybody together, what restored so often was not that they saw eye to eye, 
but is that they had to come together in unity to worship God. See, I, I'm afraid we lose that a little bit today because we can get all hung up on all these little different stuff and we can just say, well, I'm going to go somewhere else or I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. In reality, coming to the house of the Lord causes us when you come back and ask, Lord, you begin to worship you and magnify God. It causes us to set aside our differences. To say, hey, there's something that's bigger and larger than our differences. Something that goes deeper. Something that's more important than our differences. And that's that there's a God that's to be praised. And that's that there's a soul that, that needs to be saved. So I'm going back to the house of God. No, I, I know what's waiting for me. I, I, I know what he's, I know what I'm going to have to encounter. I took a lot of pride to swallow and say, I'm going back to the house of God. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You're going to live through some things. You're going to make some mistakes. Remember David, man, after God's own heart, as the eulogy was given, committed murder committed adultery, but he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. It's going, it's going to cost me something. I know everybody's going to, everybody may say, hey, I know, I know what they did. I know where they've been, but I don't care because this is between me and God, and he's the most important thing in my life. When I begin to think about going back to the house of God, there's something inside of me that forgets what other people might think about me. And I get lost into what's waiting for me. I get lost in the presence of God. I get lost in the promise of God. I don't know about you, but I'm too blessed to complain. I've got too much stuff in my life that God has done for me not to be grateful. And I've got too much promise for me not to be hopeful in my life. So I'm glad today... And I came intending. I didn't wake up and say, I'm going to go to the church and get all emotional. No, I said, this is church. I'm going to church. But when I was on my way, something got inside of my heart. And I was excited. I was anticipating. I was waiting for the presence of the Lord. And I come in. Sometimes you just pushing through it to get in. But all of a sudden, they start singing that song. And there's something that connects with your soul and your spirit. How great is our God. Sing with me. You can't stay silent. You can't be still because you know where God brought you from. And you know what God's done for you. You get in your car on a Sunday afternoon and you say, man, I'm so happy that I came to church today. And that's what draws you back week after week and time after time. Because I know there's no better place that I need to be than in the house of the Lord. Would you stand together with me this morning? It's my purpose. It's my intent. This is my determination. And I'm glad about it. I'm in the house of the Lord. Can you bow your heads with me this morning? Lord in Jesus.